0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything. Many of you came out last week in support of my husband after the episode where I aired my grievance about him forgetting to put petrol in my tank. He uses the car as well. It's the family car. We have very defined jobs in our house, and that happens to be one of his. And he even said after listening to the podcast, why is it such a big deal to you? And it's just, that's one of the languages of love. Makes me feel cared for. Makes me feel prioritized when my husband ensures that there is gas in my car. I don't know why I view it as a greater metaphor for safety. It's just what I do. And he repeatedly doesn't put gas in it because he likes living on the edge. If you want to listen to last week's episode, it is available wherever you get your podcasts. But yeah, loads of people were on his side. Get ready for a little bit of whiplash. You are not going to be on Bobby's side this week. As you know, we are navigating what it's like to raise two very small children and also a teenager. I have more help than anyone in the world. I get that. I can afford a nanny. I have a very creative job. I'm not like on the front lines of the NHS. I know all of that and I'm still struggling. I haven't slept in two years. I'm still breastfeeding. And we certainly don't make time for each other because if I have spare time, I go to work. I do go to sleep. I mean, I have jobs on the go. I have things on the go. So we're not exactly dating. And Bobby and I used to be really fun, really romantic. And I don't think that that is, you know, exclusive to our relationship. I think a lot of parents have to park their marriage for a bit just to focus on getting through the toddler years, the baby years, fine. And then they grow up, they start sleeping through the night and you can have a little bit more time to yourselves. So I woke up furious with Bobby this morning. Here's what's been going down. And this came out of absolutely nowhere for me. I was not expecting it. He says to me, Catherine, we don't have time for each other. I need to feel cared for. I need to be going out on dates. It doesn't really make sense. Us trying to stay up 30 minutes to watch TV. Let's have an open relationship or like other relationships until our kids are a little bit bigger. And then you and I can get back on track. And that way we take a break from each other. We get our own needs met. We don't have any resentment. And then we come back together when the kids are a bit bigger and we will come back together. Like that's a promise. And I was thinking, I don't give a fuck. I don't have any time for you. You don't have any time for me. You're right. Our relationship's totally different now. We still love each other. But for some reason, I never envisaged myself agreeing to something like this. I was like, I'm tired. Yeah, do what you want. Next thing I know, there are two babes in my kitchen eating dinner with my family, One of these women he's seeing, the other woman is like a friend that she brought for support. I don't know why, maybe because she's like Chelsea. I'm, I don't know her name, Chelsea. I'm like going to TV, Catherine Ryan's house to dinner with her husband, whom I'm seeing and all her kids are going to be around. I'm going to need a wingman because this bitch seems crazy. She's going to bash me over the head with a comedy award. But instead of getting mad, I was just like, allowing this for some reason, I was like, yeah, I thought it was a bit weird that he had these random women in my house, like eating with my kids and Violet was definitely on side. Violet was throwing shade left, right and center. I just thought I'm not going to step in here. Like do what you want. I found this girl to be annoying on her own. I don't know what she was going on about, but I was just like, I know Bobby well enough to know like this chick's annoying. I don't need to step up. Like it was very much in the forefront of my mind during this dinner Not to disallow it because it actually wasn't bothering me like I thought it would. It was just annoying, and I thought she'll be history soon anyway. And I did agree to this time where he can see other people until we reunite, like whatever. So I let this dinner go on, like being sort of baseline, like low level annoyed. And then the girl goes to me after, like, I cook food for everyone she's eating around my children. She goes, I need to take a shower. And I was like, oh, well, Bobby is already in that shower or like she said, where's Bobby or something? And I said, Bobby's in the shower. Now, I don't mean to brag. I do have seven bathrooms. Uh, how many showers? Five showers or four. I only have four showers. But this bitch could have had a shower in any other shower. She, while my children are still awake, goes into the bathroom where Bobby is and gets in his shower with him. And now I'm thinking this is taking the piss a bit. That's when I started to get annoyed. And I thought to myself, you can choose now, Catherine, you have two choices. You can rip her out of the shower. Her friend is like still at the dinner table, like just chatting, whatever. You can rip this girl out of the shower. And then there's a fight between like two girls and you. And you can be like, get this whore out of my house. Or uh, meet Bobby being the whore. <laughs> but then when you do that, I don't know, like Cardi B's advice came up. In my soul, and Cardi B's advice should never. She has tolerated a lot of wrongdoings in her own marriage, but for some reason, I was emboldened by her spirit, and I thought, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you two the win of me coming in as the enemy, bonding you two closer because now, like, it's them against me. I'm crazy. Like I've come in and ripped this girl out of the shelf so now they're always going, eh, Catherine's so scary, Catherine's so mean. I don't know what her problem is. She said I could have this relationship, whatever. So I just like kicked back. I was like, fine. I mean, what am I going to do? Like, fine, leave it, leave it, leave it. And I was thinking to myself all the while, like, why are you being so cool about it? Like, why are you allowing all of this to go down and, and martyring yourself almost by being like, well, I will be the hero who sat back and put my kids to bed and allowed this shit to happen. And then I woke up and I realized, oh, this didn't really happen in my real life. That was a dream, but you know you have those dreams sometimes that are so realistic that you're pissed off even in the morning. I know I scared everyone. I know that you're thinking for the last five minutes, like, holy shit, you've already started composing your emails to Bobby. The tabloid media is going crazy. Like, I just felt that I had to tell you the story like that because that's how it happened in my head. I absolutely thought it was real for however long the dream lasted. And then I woke up. Of course, I get up two hours before everyone else. So I keep thinking about this dream. I keep thinking, what is going on in my life to make me have this dream? Where Bobby is like entertaining that we should split up for a bit and I didn't get another partner. It's not like I, well, I I could, but I don't have time and I wouldn't want to. He finds some like just very ordinary, basic chick off the street. Like I remember she was beautiful, but she was annoying and she was just not a good fit for our household. And then they're in the shower at the same time that my children are still awake and being put to bed. It was very... Dysfunctional in terms of like what Bobby and I view as, you know, a relationship, a heteronormative, very vanilla, basic, exclusive, monogamous marriage we have. Why was I tolerating it? And ultimately, I started thinking about if this happened in real life, which like it wouldn't. I think I just wouldn't agree to it. Well, I know I wouldn't. If Bobby came to me and said, like, should we take a break and then get back together when the kids are older? I'd be like, you are definitely not hands on enough if you think you have time to start like being on Tinder. Not that there's anything wrong with being on Tinder. If they would like to advertise on this podcast, they're welcome to do so. But Bobby's not allowed to be on it. And he wouldn't want to. This is the other thing. Bobby doesn't want that life. But then what would make me think that like hosting these women, I don't even have my own best friends round for a dinner party. I don't have my own parents visit, my sisters very often, Bobby's family, his sisters. Like we don't have people that we like at dinner. So why would we have a stranger and her wingman friend come to dinner in this dream? Why would I allow that? And then I start thinking if, if that were my situation, I think because I give so much advice on this podcast and like maybe it is uneducated, unprofessional advice that I shouldn't be giving. But I think that the dream, Catherine, handled this scenario kind of the right way to handle it in life as well, because it's like. I, I think there's something and maybe that's old fashioned about me, maybe it's wrong, but I do think that usually not just in a romantic relationship and certainly. You know, not in every instance, but just kick back and let a stupid mistake play out. I think you never lose your composure. Like, I I hope that if that happened, I would say yes and. I would improv it. I'd go, yeah. Yeah, I have this girl over to dinner and her friend. Yeah. Oh, where's Bobby? He's in the shower. It's down there. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think I. you should maintain your composure, allow that to go on, put the children to bed, and then burn his car down or something (laughs) like just take it up with him later and be like that thing that happened the other night like how cool would it be how metal would it be it'd be terrible it'd be a tragedy if that happened by the way because I would lose my marriage and I'd be very upset I'd have to get back into therapy I could start talking to Pam again I miss her a lot that would be good but then I would just say in the morning like that was totally wild really unacceptable it's not how I want to live my life and we're done now we're done I would be done after that but I wonder how much stamina I would have to keep my composure. And also, what does that dream mean? So Bobby was horrified. When I told him in the morning, he was like, what? Wow. Like, poor men. I don't think that men come down the stairs angry from dreams that never happened. Bobby's had a few scary dreams about the children, he's told me, in the past. And he won't even repeat the details of the dreams. But he's so anxious about like their safety all the time that he has had some nightmares and got up and been like, oh, I had a, another dream about the children I won't even tell you. And I go, don't tell me and I've had maybe two dreams where bad things have happened to the children and I don't tell him and that's our arrangement but he doesn't have any dreams where I've like misbehaved and he comes down the stairs cross but I was cross for like 10 hours I was just like you piece of shit all right so what does it mean dream meaning partner cheats Cheating dreams may be symptomatic of underlying unmet needs in your relationship. Well, yeah, they're not exactly underlying. According to experts, cheating dreams can often be traced back to emotional dissatisfaction, sexual dissatisfaction, or unresolved feelings about a past infidelity. God, well, I suppose we have all of those. I suppose he wasn't he didn't cheat on me when we were young, but he rejected me a few times and that sucked. One of the most common reasons people dream about their partner's cheating isn't because they actually cheated, but rather the dreamer feels cheated in their relationship in some way. Perhaps your partner has been taking on extra hours at work and doesn't have much time for you and so on. Oh, do I feel cheated in my relationship? And am I, I don't think I do. I mean, I, look, I certainly feel like biologically, as progressive as we try to be, like, I do think that most moms take on a little bit more than most dads, but I feel like Bobby takes on a lot too. And I am trying to get back to work right now. There's been a bit of upheaval in like my professional life. And, um, I didn't think that was stressing me, but maybe it is. I'm talking to my American managers a bit about doing a tour out there at some point, my tour promoter here in the UK, was on holiday for a bit. He's back today. So I'm thinking a lot about that and doing another tour. We are thinking about maybe having another baby. <laughs> uh, if I'm young enough to even do that, I don't know. And, and I feel like we are on the fence about that all the time. And if I do, it, I'm almost the closest I've ever been to being like, no, no more kids because I need, need to feed the ones that I have. I still need to get back to work. And I just can't, like, I can't take another year off. It takes me a year. Maternity leave in the United States is like six weeks, which is criminally insane. In Canada, it's not long. My friend Caitlin just had another baby in Finland. It's great in Finland. Both parents get at least a month full off and then you get like loads of nice benefits, everything else you can take more time off and split it between you. Um, And I basically like soft launch myself back to work, but I take a solid year. I think everybody needs a year. Certainly the way I raise my kids. (sighs) And then what does it mean if you have dreams about your children getting hurt? Dream meaning children hurt or like accident? Oh, God. Oh, God. Your child is injured in a dream. I hate even reading about this. It just means you love your kids, I think. The mind is a mysterious and complex entity that often communicates with us through dreams. However, some dreams can leave us feeling confused and concerned, especially if they involve harm coming to our loved ones, such as our child. The dream of your child being injured can be distressing, leaving you with a feeling of unease long after you wake up. While dreams do not hold a fixed meaning, they often reveal our anxieties and inner conflicts. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously. They can be quite distressing. Fear for your child's safety. Number one, dreams where your child is injured can indicate your fears and worries about your child's safety in waking life. Duh. Like, why do I need a website to tell me that all of us are scared about our children's safety in waking life? Two, guilt and responsibility about protecting your child. Dreams of your child being hurt can also indicate feelings of guilt and responsibility about protecting them. Hmm. Can be a reflection of those feelings. You may feel like you failed in some way and we're unable to protect your child. I don't think Bobby feels that about either of his kids. I always feel, you know, I feel a low, like anxious feeling that I could be doing more, but that's it. I, like, so far, touch wood, no one's been in an accident. Oh, three, the inability to protect your child from harm. It can also reflect your feeling of powerlessness and inability to protect your child from harm. You may be going through a difficult time in your waking life where you feel like you're unable to protect your child from danger or harm. This dream could be a manifestation of those feelings. Understanding that your child being injured in a dream commonly represents... Oh. Understanding what your child being injured in a dream commonly represents can help you start to explore the symbolism involved. of this is rocket science so what does it mean what does any of it mean maybe the gas is still playing on my mind this is what you get bobby you forget to put petrol in my car and a week later i'm having terrifying dreams about two ladies coming to my house and you getting in the shower with one because i feel cheated in my relationship with our petrol arrangement that's what it is are you a dream specialist are you into this kind of stuff? Are you a dreams expert? What do you think this dream means for me? And what other kind of crazy dreams have you had that have been decoded? I love this kind of stuff. We should get a dream specialist on the show. Please write me a letter at telling everybody everything at gmail.com. And happy Halloween. It is Halloween this evening. My kids are not fans. Well, you know, I think Fena would like it. She is up and walking and running around um we took her to this hotel that was like maybe 20 minutes away it seemed like it had a kids club and lots of outdoor activities and fena just wants to run around now just full tilt towards ponds towards danger this is why bobby is having his dreams the woman at the front desk is like hi i said we're checking in but we're not actually staying in the room and she's like uh just kind of blanks what i've said and carries on with her spiel she goes well Check-in is at 3 p.m., it's 2.55, but that should be okay because it's only a few minutes early. Already I've got my backup. I'm like, what do you mean it's a few minutes? First of all, check-in is a guideline time, you know that. And I am certain that 2.55 is acceptable because by the time we got to the room, if we were going to the room, which we aren't, it would be after 3 p.m. So don't give me this check-in your watch, well, it's only a few minutes, I'll see what I can do. No, already I'm on the back foot. And then I said, oh, but, you know, I'm just letting you know about our reservation so that we can have a little card or a charge card or something so that we can now use the facilities around the hotel. They have a wellness spa, they have a swimming pool, they have all these things. And she's like, uh, will you be using the facilities? I said, yeah, whatever we can do just for the next two hours, we're going to take the kids around and do it, but we are not going to the room. And she goes, well, let me see if housekeeping is ready. And I said, no, as discussed. And that's when Bobby popped his head up from dealing now with Fena. And he goes, as disgust, like he's worried that I'm going to be a dick. And I I said, yes, as disgust, we're not going to the room. I just made a booking so that we could come here and do all the other things. We will never be going to the room. And then she kind of got it in her head what I was talking about. And that's my fault for being weird. And then she goes, well, just so you know, for next time, if you make a booking in the restaurant, then you don't have to book a room and you can just go all around. But then I'm wasting money in the restaurant. You know, I'm not going to the restaurant. I'm not going to the room. I just want to be around your hotel. Um sadly, it wasn't right for us. It's so difficult Fred and is age, to find anything that works. Outside, was very wet, and that's fine for Fred. Puts on boots, jumps in muddy puddles. He had a great time walking around, looking at all the chickens and pigs, jumping in muddy puddles like himself. He was doing loads of cool things. Then they had a little indoor kids club bit where there were only paid activities that you had to book for, and those were either full or over. And other than that, there was nothing to do. So Fena just kind of moved toward danger. I was stressed out. Bobby and I had one drink at the bar, and then we left. So that was bust but halloween now here's where i feel like it could be really fun as time to shine because it involves walking she can't eat any of the candy but she will see lots of kids and she loves new exciting faces it's fred who is you know it's always fred in our family he is so cool and funny right now but he's the one that prevents us from doing kind of the things that everyone else would be on board with fred thinks halloween is spooky Fred doesn't like pumpkins. He doesn't like skeletons. He really doesn't like spiders or spider webs. He hates all Halloween costumes and masks. He's just not into it. And I don't blame him. Like, what the hell is Halloween? It's actually truly a fucked up holiday when you think about it. Wasn't the ancient meaning of Halloween something about being scary? I'm gonna, meaning of Halloween, like you would dress up to stop something bad happening. All Hallows' Eve, the Eve of All Saints' Day, often celebrated by children dressing up in frightening masks and costumes. It's thought to be associated with the Celtic festival Samhain when ghosts and spirits were believed to be abroad. Abroad! Can't ghosts and spirits just go wherever they want anyway? Don't have to, like, book a flight. So, it's this festival on the day corresponding to November 1st. They believed the new year to begin, and that date was considered the beginning of the winter period, the date on which the herds were returned from pasture and land tenures were renewed. During the Samhain festival, sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong, that's what it looks like, the souls of those who had died were believed to return to visit their homes, and those who had died during the year were believed to journey to the other world. People set bonfires on hilltops for relighting their hearth fires for the winter and to frighten away evil spirits, witches, goblins, fairies, demons. Jesus. The period was also thought to be favorable for divination on matters such as marriage, health, and death. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, there wasn't a lot going on back in the pagan times and they invented Halloween, something to do. Scary light fires, ward the evil spirits off. I'm on board, but I feel like Fred is very connected to that time. Because he truly believes that halloween is evil and i don't think he's gonna like it but in a couple of hours we are going to take the children trick-or-treating in a local residential neighborhood because ours isn't really you know we're a bit too country for good trick-or-treating and some neighborhoods in the uk are really getting involved so when i first moved to this country 15 16 years ago nobody trick-or-treated and now with you know streaming services and americanism coming over here. Kids are discovering the magic, the wonderment of Halloween. And I feel like Fred's going to like it too. He might be a bit spooked out, but if he goes to a door, knocks and gets some candy, I mean, this could be it. This could be the thing that transforms Fred (laughs) and it's over. It's Christmas next. He put on his Christmas jammies this morning. It was like, I'm done with Halloween. And I think a lot of people understand. And they echo Fred's thoughts. I already won Halloween when I dressed as a giant cheesy snack. The other night when I went to a Halloween party with my gorgeous husband, Bobby, this is before he cheated on me in a dream, I got to be a what's it, a delicious, I mean, it's just my favorite snack. And this is not an ad, but I did an ad for them, but I'm telling you again now. It was a great big fuzzy costume. I was bringing joy to everyone in central London. Every time people looked at me, you could see that they were exhilarated and hungry and I had a little what's it handbag. I got to wear an orange suit underneath, comfortable footwear. I mean, the days of me dressing in lingerie and cat ears for Halloween are long gone. I'm all about comfort, warmth. That's the kind of kid that I was for Halloween. One Halloween, I just dressed like a fat man, which you couldn't do now without getting canceled. I uh, just wanted to be warm and it's cold in Canada already by October 31st. So I wore my dad's clothes. I was about seven or eight years old. I don't know. And I stuffed it with loads of pillows. Actually, I dressed as a fat man more than once. I did it for a school dance, like performance, a comedy performance, obviously. And uh, I had a little beard and I was warm. All the other kids dressed as like Ninja Turtles and whatever else. And those cheap Halloween costumes, they were freezing cold. I was walking around with pillows and my dad's track pants and like comfortable footwear. I had it nailed as a child, and uh, it was nice to get back to that comfort. The What's it costume, while glamorous, had lights inside. It had a fan inside to keep me cool. I just loved it. So if you didn't see me in the What's it costume, because it has been reported in some news outlets as one of the hot costumes of the year, but you can see that on my Instagram. My Instagram is at Bum. You can follow me on there. A lot goes on on my Instagram. Little snippets of my life and of the day. If you're looking to dress sexy, then you only need one thing. And this is also not an ad, but I'm on board. Kim Kardashian, in only like minutes away from recording time, is releasing a new Skims bra that is molded cups. I can't speak with authority on whether or not they're underwire or not. Can't tell. Molded, flesh-toned cups in a variety of colors and sizes with little nipples built in. And I'm telling you, hard nipples look great. With this bra, whether you're warm, hot, it doesn't matter. Your tits are going to be cold looking. And that's sexy because erect nipples also indicate arousal. It just looks better. I remember when I first got boobs, not breast implants, but my actual real small boobs that God gave me, which I wish I had again. And I will have again one day. I didn't like when my nipples like weren't erect. Cause I just felt like I called my boob, like my boobs, rat nos- noses. I was like, these are the ugliest like rat nose boobs. Like they just were kind of triangular. And I thought from watching television in the nineties, two thousands, that boobs were meant to be round and nipples were meant to be erect. Of course that was false, but at the time that's what I wanted. And so sometimes I'd like pinch my nips in a t-shirt just to make them look the way I saw them look on friends. For example, I know That Monica and Rachel, at the very least, and sometimes Phoebe on a good day, were wearing bras with little built-in nipples. Because you could always see their nips. And I'm not talking, you know, you don't need like huge erect nips. Just a little whisper of a nipple. And sometimes this is, I think, why people get their nipples pierced. Because you want to have that little bump in the t-shirt. It looks good. So Kim Kardashian's finally had the fucking guts to release it. And we can get that soon. And, And I feel like I need that now for a different reason. My nipples, I think, are kind of always erect because they've been recently like bitten, ravaged by kids. But they also kind of point in slightly different directions now. I have one good boob and one functional boob. So I will be, again, not an ad, rushing out to get the Skims bra. And sadly, with the mention of friends, I, of course, have to touch on the loss of Chandler Bing, Matthew Perry. Sadly, I think they say, Suffocated or drowned this week, and he was only 54 years old. And a lot of people feel a connection to that character because we grew up with him. And it's just a reminder that addiction can be a fatal illness. And it's so important to get the help that you need early in that addiction and to look out for your friends and your loved ones. And Matthew Perry did a lot for other people struggling with addiction, and that's what he really wanted to be remembered for. So it's really sad, and it's even sadder to see how people commemorate like their relationship to a celebrity on social media. It's always so tacky. And I know that their intentions are good, but like, please, when I die, can we have a dignified silence about it? Just don't post anything, but don't, because you're going to use a photo that I don't like. And you're going to be like, I met her once and it's going to be a good photo of you and an ugly photo of me. And you're going to misquote me. I remember when I saw her, she told me, and it's just Dignified silence if I die. Nobody put anything online. A blackout, please, about me. I don't mind. Oh, it's raining now. How romantic. If you're watching a little snippet video, I'm working with a wonderful lady called Rebecca, and she's making little snippets of my podcast for socials. You're going to be like, Catherine, why are you recording it at midnight in a tsunami? Well, it's only 2.30 p.m., and it was not supposed to be this rainy and dark. Maybe trick-or-treating is in the can. We can't do this to fret. We'll drive. We'll drive to one house, let him go out, trick or treat, get back in the car, bath and bedtime. And now we take a short break to listen to words from our beautiful sponsors. When we return, I will see what you have written me. If you ever want to write me a letter, it's telling everybody everything at gmail.com. That could be a dilemma. It could be a comment about last week's podcast, something you've been thinking that you want to let me know. It could be spilling the tea. Maybe you want to ask the listeners of telling everybody everything if you are the asshole. Maybe you just need advice, um, reach out anytime telling everybody everything at gmail.com. We'll see you soon. Last week I mentioned that I saw a viral video of a giant snake crawling on a rooftop, and I did say some blasphemous. You know, I don't want to call it Australiaphobic, but I just basically said that Australia was not acceptable as a place. I just don't understand how it exists. It seems like it's out of a movie. I know I have a lot of Australian listeners, and I am not surprised to see that that ruffled some feathers. Joanne writes, Catherine, I think the Australians might agree with you. You didn't have any emails fully calling you out, but we still did have many emails from Australia. Joanne finds your accent endearing, by the way. She says, it triggers positive thoughts for me. It reminds me of the Irwin family. Who doesn't love them? They're dedicated to conservation and just oh so wholesome. And the love of Bluey in our home has reinforced this even further. Richard, that's Joanne's son. His name is Richard. Even asked if we could switch Siri to an Australian accent in the car but I'm with you on the scary creatures and the hellish flights to get there. I laughed out loud last year when you said on the podcast, re-gigs, Australia, lose my number. The thing is, Australia, I do want to come and visit you and do gigs there soon. I'm just so scared of all your animals, like deeply scared. And I also hate being so far away from home. Like you're just so far. I feel like Australia as a concept, I just don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's like the moon. It's like, has anyone ever actually been there? I don't know. Is it like a figment of people's imaginations? Like Australians, are you really in what you think is Australia? It feels to me like a new dimension with giant fucking snakes. And so I don't want to go. Here is a story from a listener that will blow your socks off. I can't, if you're a parent, sit down for this one. I am an Australian listener who agrees that most of our voices are too nasally to bear. I also inflect at the end of my sentences so you can never tell if I'm asking a question or making a statement. It is a bloody nuisance to me. I can't do it. In the 90s, when I was seven, I had to leave my two-year-old brother in the sand pit with a brown snake on my auntie and uncle's farm, which was literally in the middle of nowhere with a lot of red dirt. Why? In my defense, I want you to imagine Fred's reaction of a seven-year-old stranger lifting him up. He would have thrown a tantrum. Beginner training for anyone planning to visit is move away gently if you see a snake. Stomping and excessive vibration on the ground is scary for them, and snakes are more likely to attack when they're scared. I went to get my parents, and today my brother is a thriving 27-year-old. We're good pals as adults, and I'd probably tell him if I was leaving his vicinity due to a snake. So a seven-year-old girl was looking after her two-year-old brother. A brown snake appears and she leaves him in the snake pit. Just like goes to get an adult. And I understand why you did that. But thank God that you had probably watched a Steve Irwin program. Or maybe like from birth, they send you home instead of like with the normal checklist for newborns. An info pack on wildlife. They'll be like, "Mites! congratulations on your baby. (laughs) What you want to do is... Teach him to stay away from snakes. Here's why. Like, why do Australians even like me? I am really rude about you. But I feel like I'm allowed because I think you, it's sort of, okay, I grew up in Sarnia uh, and you know that I don't like my hometown and I talk about it quite negatively. But I think people from there have a certain funny, like, edge if they get out. Not the people who stay there. Most of them are boring. Not all. But when you escape, you're like, one of the rebels. So Australians, not only like the history of Australia, I think the people who colonized it from Britain were rebels. You have to be a rebel to do something like that. I mean, what were they thinking? Some of them were sent there, I think, for jail. And maybe that is false. I'm, I am i got to look it up. I do a lot of searches on this program. Uh, why is Australia? There you go. Australia. Why is Australia so special? Yeah, right. Five facts about Australia. It's a continent, not a country. The capital is Canberra. Kangaroos only exist in Australia. The Great Barrier Reef is the biggest reef system in the world. Australia is split into eight states. Did not know that. Australia is home to some dangerous animals. Definitely knew that. Okay, so how mega diverse it just shouldn't be lived in. I can't get over Australia. Why does it still exist? Parts of it are beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, okay, listen to this. If someone said this about me, I would be fucking livid. Australia is the oldest, flattest, driest, inhabited continent with the least fertile soils. Oh, oh, that is a slam that you just can't come back from. So anyway, I'm not going to read about the colonization of Australia. I'm sure it is a long, sordid and gruesome tale. Um, But... Yes, if you're one of the people who ended up there, you are definitely a rebel. Your ancestors, at least, were rebels. And I like Australians. So my main point is I don't actually have a problem with Australians. I just think you are batshit crazy for being in Australia. Catherine, I've just finished listening to the episode of The Pod where you talk about the Chili Challenge. We were at that recording. Oh, I'm doing a brand new show for Comedy Central hosted by Rosie Jones. The team captains are Judy Love and myself. And we had to eat some hot sauce. I talk about that on last week's podcast. And thank you for coming. And if anyone wants tickets, we're doing a recording this Friday, November 3rd and Saturday, November 4th, and then we're done the series. So please come if you're in central London, just go to Rosie Jones's socials. I'm sure there's a link for you to request free tickets. Thanks for the suggestion to come to a recording. My fiance and I are teachers and we like cheap, free, half-term activities. Thanks for being there. During the recording, a random behind us asked the person he was sat next to, who's the blonde woman with the bob? She replied, Catherine Ryan, she's an American comic. I had to step in and correct. She's Canadian, actually. The woman said, oh, it's all the same. The continent is America. How do you feel about this? I know many Mexicans will get annoyed when people from the U.S. call it America because it does acknowledge that Canada and Mexico and the rest of the continent are also America. How do you identify Loved seeing all the comedians catching up before the cameras started to roll. It seems like a big, funny family checking in on each other. That's true. We love getting to see each other at these records because a lot of us are touring and it's a very lonely business. Um, The continent is not America. There's no such content called America. There's North America and there's South America. And Canada is in North America, yes. And America is also in North America, uh, the continent, but America does not exist as a continent. And Mexico, I, don't, I lost that. Mexicans will get annoyed when people from the U.S. call it America because it doesn't. What? No. OK, I don't I don't think Mexicans play into this. I don't think anyone Mexicans sometimes are American. They emigrate or they get citizenship or they move or whatever. And then people will still always call them Mexicans. So I think there's a, a lot of hostility from some Americans directed to Mexicans since all this Donald Trump stuff and before. So I don't think they're really in the conversation. Canadians often get called American and some people mind, but I seriously don't at all. I don't care. I don't expect people. This is the thing. Like I've never, sure. You might say that I'm a narcissist. I'm on television. I care what I look like, uh, less and less, unfortunately, but I'm in front of the camera, you know? So you would think That maybe I'm also like, oh, well, you should know about me and my country. I understand that everyone's from a different place. Listen to how I talk about Australia. I don't fucking know what's going on there. Split into eight states. Who knew that? Um, And so people's ignorance about Canada is fine with me. I like it because I... I think it's a lovely little secret place where people don't know a lot about us. They don't know that we can't work in America. We are the last people that they want to give a green card or work visa to because we blend in so seamlessly with Americans. We look like them. We sound like them. We're just nicer. I know a lot of Canadians, um, when they travel, really don't want to be known as American just because you get a better reception for being Canadian. But it's never been a real thing to me. Again, you know, just like... Indigenous and colonization stuff about Australia that I don't want to talk about. Canada has a really dark history of that stuff, too. And America. So even though I grew up there, ethnically, I'm not Canadian. Ethnically, nobody white is Canadian or American. And my dad only moved there from Ireland when he was 30. And my mom's family is like Irish before that, too, and English. And you've seen my Who Do You Think You Are on the BBC. If you haven't, give it a watch. You can see exactly the morning after I had sex with Bobby. You can just see it on my face. I'm very disheveled in a green jumper in a library, listening to a story about how my great-great-great-great-great-grandmother died of the measles, Um, or her sister or something. Anyway, uh, I'm Irish ethnically, and I was very privileged to be raised in Canada. I had a great time there, and I acknowledge that it is built on indigenous land executive club that is child and dog friendly. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. No, no, no. Earlier in this podcast, I sort of slagged off a hotel, though I didn't really slag it off. It's a fine hotel for some, but I went there with the kids and I didn't like it. And this has just been recommended to me as a Soho House alternative. And now I can't read you this email because I don't want to slag off the actual hotel by name. I thought it was fine, it just didn't have a lot for me. But this listener says, I heard your latest podcast, You Left Soho House. I wanted to recommend this place. It's a member club hotel. They have one in the North and one in the South London. The South London one has a pool and lots of land to walk around. It's got that Soho House vibe, nice interiors, well-dressed people, great cocktails. It's super child and dog friendly. I did notice it was very dog friendly. I did notice that, lots of bowls around, lots of treats. They do lots of activities for children, but also yoga, pottery, gong healing, et cetera, for adults. Most of the food is farm to table with their own pigs and sheep on site. I don't like it. It just wasn't my vibe. I think maybe I need to go to like the places that I grew up on. Just, you know, local mom and pop shops do you know on my walk to a meeting the other day i was so hungry i popped into this little mom and shop pop sandwich shop tough to say and uh, it was a mother and son near clarkenwell that neighborhood and i was so starving cuz i'm breastfeeding i was about to go into this meeting and they j- they didn't have any gluten free you know it was like they hadn't heard the term gluten free yet they were like one of these shops and i just needed to eat before the meeting so i got a cappuccino and I got a bacon sandwich, and I didn't have time to explain to them that, that I don't eat bread. So I just ate like bacon out of the sandwich on the fly walking down the street, and they were great. They were nice, like a greasy spoon. That's what, that's what I like. I got to stop thinking I'm fancy and I need to go to members clubs. I don't. Thank you so much for your letters. If anything today jumped out about the podcast and you'd like to write in, it's telling everybody everything at gmail.com. I also have some new letters, some dilemmas, beginning with one that looks quite spicy indeed. Catherine. I've been with my partner for about four years. His work means that he frequently travels overseas. I don't like it. I don't like it. At the beginning, he would stay away maybe three weeks a year. But since COVID, that has increased to over 17 weeks a year, which I find really hard. For the last two years, he has been lying to me regularly about various things. The lies are always along the lines that he's just found out he has another trip next week, or he's just found out his mom's making him fly home to visit her at the weekend. Inevitably, I discovered that he has actually known about all of these events for weeks or months. To be clear, he's not having an affair, and he's genuinely on work trips or genuinely seeing his parents. <laughs> Do you know what this reminds me of? I was dating a guy... Uh, when I was young and he was old. And uh, he was old enough that he would go visit his parents every weekend. And I thought he had a secret wife and family. He'd be like, no, I just love my mommy and she's doing my laundry. And I was like, God, I hope he's having an affair. And it turned out to not be a lie. He was just having his mom do his laundry. We're not together anymore, obviously. But um, I really wish that he was like a high-flying executive With a wife and kids, and I was this little piece on the side. I might have respected him more. Okay. My partner says he had lied since childhood, blaming his controlling mother and bad teacher he had at school. I mean, get over it. What is with guys being like, well, one day in the third grade, it's like, okay. Or guys will always be like, my parents divorced when I was 23. It's like, get, uh, yes, nobody, (laughs) you're not the son and everyone else, like moons and planets that orbit around you. Alleged moons, like alleged Australia. No one's been, no one knows. Uh, Things happen. Shit happens for people. People mess up. Everyone's doing their best. It's your job to be a responsible adult, have healthy relationships with the people you choose to have in your life, get therapy, sort it out. This guy's blaming a teacher from primary school? Yeah, right. He says he does it to avoid conflict because i'll be upset if he tells the truth i understand he has trauma but his behavior is now traumatizing me especially because he frequently gaslights me after lying which makes me question my memory of events recently he concealed that his parents were coming to stay for five days and only told me the day before they were due to arrive apparently they booked flights without asking this lie felt like the last straw so i left home to stay with a friend while his parents were here since then all hell has broken loose his mom has decided i'm emotionally abusive and has been telling my partner and his family this he insists he loves me and wants to be with me but allows his mom to say awful things that disparage me why do you think his mom's saying awful things that disparage you because he hates conflict he wants to avoid confrontation he's lying to his mom about you players gonna play if he's lying to you about his mom he's lying to his mom about you every single time So his mom says you're emotionally abusive because she's been sold a totally different story than what you know in your mind has actually happened. And she loves her little boy, so she's going to believe him. You have sussed him out. She hasn't. So she's like, what? She left just because we're coming to visit our sweet baby and you told her? You gave her plenty of notice we are coming in advance? Yeah, mom, of course I did. No, he didn't. He's lying to you both. I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. I love people always say that. When a relationship's going south, you go, well, I'm not easy to live with. No one is. But there are boundaries in relationships and certain rules of life in society that we follow. And one of those main commandments is that we don't tell lies to each other, certainly not to the people we love. I have never threatened, lied, or gaslit my partner. The only time I'm angry is after I discover he's lied about something. And then I usually just get upset and I ask him why. And then he basically blames me. On the other hand, he has made various threats regarding finances and my access to our shared car. He also punched a hole in the wall yesterday when he was annoyed. I have no idea what he's told his family. Lies. But does my behavior sound emotionally abusive to you? Should I be more sympathetic to his trauma I can't get a read on the situation anymore, and I feel totally lost. Does this man have a penis made of solid gold? Do you have children or pets together? Is he a billionaire? Like, is he the funniest guy on the planet? Why are you with this man? He's a liar. You can't be with a liar. Unless... And we could go down the path of like decoding, like if I was your girlfriend and I'm round yours for a glass of wine, we could talk about like, oh yeah, well, if he doesn't like confrontation, then he needs to do this. And he, you know, what he's doing, would he really meet? No, we'd be wasting our time. We might have a good chat, share a bottle, order pizza after a while. I would eat the toppings alone. But it doesn't matter about any of that shit and what's going on with him because he is a grown man and it's his job to solve all of that, not yours. It is irrelevant to your current situation, which is it's not your job to fix him. You don't have to train him not to lie. You may work your whole life trying to teach him not to lie and you'll never be successful. All you have to decide is, do I want to be with a liar forever and feel the way I feel now, always constantly gaslit on edge, you know, cause maybe you have to be honest with yourself. Maybe you like that feeling. Maybe it's exciting for you. You say you hate it, but maybe you love to hate it because there's a reason that you're in this relationship now and I don't know what it is. It's not apparent from the email. Or you say he has good qualities, but these bad qualities are deal breakers for me. How important is it to you to have an open and honest, transparent relationship where there isn't this back and forth, this cause and effect of the cycle? Like, okay, he lies. I figure out the lie. I'm angry. He blames me. I feel crazy now he's lied to his family about you. And you don't have to set his family straight either. If I were you, I would just be like, listen, I'm tired of being angry about these last minute lies that you tell me you didn't know, but actually I know you knew. And now I feel nuts. I don't like that feeling. It's not who I am. My behavior is not behavior that I like. Therefore, I have to remove myself from this relationship calmly and, you know, control. Just it's done. I don't want to be, oh, babe, I won't lie to you. but no. I'm not having that conversation and just walk out the door. And then if his mom thinks you're crazy and all the family thinks you're crazy, and if he wants to lie to himself and weave some tangled web about how you're crazy, then let him, because at the end of the day, you don't want to be with a liar. You have no choice, but to remove yourself from this relationship. Unless you you want to just be gaslit your entire life. This is nuts. How do you even listen to my podcast and not learn by now? Like nine times out of 10, I say, just break up. (laughs) Why don't you write me back this week and tell me why you don't want to break up? Tell me all the wonderful things about him or cause look, I know why you don't want to break up actually, cause you're worried about what could be on the other side of him. Are you going to be alone? Are you going to be with someone worse? Is he going to freak out? Is he going to be really sad? How are you going to split the assets? How are you going to split your groups of friends? You're going to miss him. You're going to cry for all this time. Like a breakup is messy and it's awful, but you deserve a transparent life and you're going to have one bad year and then things are going to get better. Is he going to move on with someone else and make them really happy and not lie to them? The answer is no. He will always lie to whatever partner he's with. And the only difference is in his next relationship He's going to blame his emotionally abusive mom. He's going to blame his shit teacher in primary school. And he's also going to blame you. And she's going to have to hear about you for the rest of her relationship with him. <laughs> but you deserve, you know, there are guys out there who don't lie. Ugh, Catherine, my spectrum-y partner suddenly seems to have high-level ASD. That is autism spectrum disorder. Catherine, my partner of three years and I have had a very happy relationship until recently. About six months into our relationship, I suspected that my partner was on the spectrum. Lots of things I love about him are actually likely those parts of him too. His almost too honest honesty, have I got someone for him? His very high morals, his dedication to his goals, and deeply caring nature toward those he cares about. Yet, the past few months have been extremely difficult. It almost feels like it went from 20% to 100% real quick. Like he went further up the spectrum very suddenly. I think it was triggered by some stresses at work. He's always been quite sensitive to loud noise, but now it doesn't even have to be that loud. He will cover his ears to even the washing machine now and play with his fingers frantically, sometimes banging his head gently against a surface repeatedly. He will flinch if I go to touch him because that is a sensory overload. I'm an extremely physically affectionate person and the lack of physical contact between us is particularly jarring for me. We've been sleeping separately for about a month because he wants his own space to sleep now. He's become very particular about his sleep and making sure he has a very specific set of sleep conditions. I want to support him as much as I can, but I feel so lonely in this whole experience and there doesn't seem to be an end in sight. I feel nervous around him to do things wrong or accidentally trigger him because once triggered, it can take a while for him to calm down and he also gets upset with me. Any thoughts or advice or help is so welcomed. Well, I know that a lot of young people listen to my podcast. And when you write to me, I can't tell if you're married or not, or I can't tell if you have kids. But how would this work with kids? And it works for a lot of families. There are a lot of people who are neurodiverse, neurodivergent, in very meaningful long-term relationships and families and everything else. But you need to be okay with how... This relationship looks long term for you. Maybe you don't even want kids, but it's just something, you know. Like in your life, is it important to, for you to sleep in bed next to your partner or not? In your life, is it important for you to be able to reach out and be physically affectionate with your partner or not? Do you want to travel? Do you, you know what I mean? Do you, do you want to abide by these specific conditions for your relationship? Are you willing to work with him through? I don't know, I'm not an autism expert, but like cognitive behavioral therapy or something to manage the situation. And do they even offer therapy for neurotypical love interests or family members of a neurodivergent person to cope? Because I'm sure that, you know, there are loads of parents of people with autism who navigate that and they get tips and tricks to do that properly. Like maybe you do want to stay in this relationship, but you're going to need some help And he needs to hopefully be open to help to recognizing these triggers and maybe de-stressing whatever's going on right now, because this is a changed situation from what you started with in this relationship. And I don't want to make it sound like I'm being negative about, because being neurodivergent just means that you learn in a bit of a different way and you're really creative and you don't fit into the box that we're all sort of educated in our generation to. You just do things a bit differently. And I think our children won't even blink at it. They'll be like, oh yeah, some people learn like that. Some people function like that. Some people are extra sensitive. That's just that. In the interim, you do need some professional advice, I think, to just really do the work and be like, can I accept these goalpost changes in my relationship? Can I work with this? Can I navigate this? Because I know you love them so much, but you you need to sleep with your partner if that's important to you. And maybe there's a way that you can make that work too. If you are someone who knows about specific advice, couples therapy to work through neurodivergence and how that manifests in your relationship, please let us know because I don't. The email address is tellingeverybodyeverything at gmail.com. Those were two very long letters and they are the only ones that I'll be reading today because we're out of time, but I so appreciate you listening. Thank you as always for tuning in. If you have something you'd like to hear about on this podcast, please let me know. Write me, telling everybody, everything at gmail.com. You can follow me on social media and you can reach out to me there, though I don't see the messages as reliably. My Instagram is at cathbomb I hope you're very well. Please look after each other. You can get my book, The Audacity. If you don't have it already, you can read it, download it, listen to it do whatever you like. I hope to be on tour soon. I hope to be doing some stand-up gigs soon, but you know what my life is like. I come here and talk about my kids. I'm sure you're sick of hearing about them, Um, but they're growing up so fast. So I promise I'll be back in your town before you know it. Until then, I'll see you next week on Telling Everybody Everything with me, Kevin.